Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, my name is uh, John. I'm one of the pastors uh, on staff here at Daybreak, and I actually was uh, going to call in sick because uh, my Broncos lost last night. Uh, any Ravens fans in the room? Uh, none here. Oh, okay. Okay. Good. Well, that's good. Um, but I was going to call in sick, but number one, I'm not sick, so uh, there's that. Uh, and then also I realized, like, when you're a pastor and you're preaching, you can't really call off sick on Sunday. You know what I mean? Like, you kind of, you kind of, you can't really do that. Um, so I'm thrilled to be here uh, today. Glad that you guys didn't decide to call in sick. Uh, it's good to, good, good to be here with you today. Uh, it's a really cool uh, topic today and also over the next couple weeks because we're going to be talking about prayer. We're going to be talking about uh, this idea of communicating with God and what, what do we learn from Scripture about that and what, is, what are some ways that we, that we can do that. And it's, prayer is a topic that never really goes out of style. It's something that uh, has happened for years and years and years in so many uh, different ways, in so many different places around the world, and it's taken on so many different uh, shapes and sizes. Uh, everybody in this room today, probably at, in some way or another, has been uh, affected or has some affil- um, familiarity or experience with prayer in one form or another. Uh, maybe you're somebody who prays on a regular basis, like it's a sort of a spiritual discipline of yours, and it's, so it's something that is a, a, a constant thing that you have. It's kind of like a habit that you have uh, in your life. Or maybe you're here, and if you were honest, you'd be like, I really don't ever pray, don't really see the reason for it, and kind of think it's, you know, it's, it's, I'm not even really sure I believe in it at all, okay? And so some people, their experience with prayer is kind of like it's, it's this pointless exercise. Uh, some people think that there's some sort of magic to prayer, that if you say certain things or if you uh, pray things in a, in a certain way that you can control different outcomes of things. Uh, some people are familiar with prayer because they, maybe growing up, uh, they would pray at certain times of the day, like before they went to bed. A lot of times people will uh, pray bedtime prayers, or maybe before eating a meal. Uh, as a family growing up, maybe you, that was something you did was prayed uh, before you, you ate. Uh, sometimes we pray uh, when we're sick, uh, when someone or, or, or someone that we care for is sick. Sometimes we pray right before a big test, Right? Especially like the strength of our prayer is directly related to how hard we studied for the test sometimes, right? Um, Or sometimes during big life events like weddings and funerals and graduations and those types of things, prayer is something that gets, uh, that is a part of those different experiences. Um, Also, when there's some sort of a tragedy, like some sort of big event, uh, whether it's a, a natural disaster of some kind, or whether it's um, a war, or if it's uh, something like the, the Connecticut shooting, those types of things. In those circumstances, a lot of times you'll hear more and more of a call to pray. Pray for the families. Pray for, for, for our country. Pray for these things to happen. Because what happens is a lot of times when our foundation gets shaken, if we, when we feel a sense of overwhelm, uh, feel overwhelmed, or a sense of being out of control of things, a lot of times... Uh, We'll go, we'll go to prayer because it can be something that can bring, get, can bring peace, can bring um, uh, steadying uh, to us. So prayer is something that's all over the place. It even takes place sometimes occasionally at sporting events. And so I thought there'd be a gr- I have a great example of that type of thing for you this morning. You can check out the screen. Last year event standing for invocation delivered tonight by Joe Nels, pastor of Family Baptist Church in Lebanon, Tennessee. Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight for all your blessings. You said in all things give thanks. So we want to thank you tonight for these mighty machines that you brought before us. 
Thank you for the Dodges and the Toyotas. Thank you for the Fords. And most of all, we thank you for Roush and Yates partnering to give us the power that we see before us tonight. Thank you for GM Performance Technology and the R07 engines. Thank you for Sunoco Racing Fuel and Goodyear tires that bring performance and power to the track. Lord, I want to thank you for my smoking hot wife tonight, Lisa. My two children, Eli and Emma, or as we like to call them, the little E's. Lord, I pray you bless the drivers and use them tonight. May they put on a performance worthy of this great track. In Jesus' name, boogity, 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 amen. I think we can all go home now after that. So prayer is a popular thing, and it comes in all sorts of different shapes uh, and sizes. And when we look at the Bible, when we look at Scripture, uh, prayer is something that happens over and over again. In both the Old Testament and the New Testament, there are well over 100 examples of people who are, have, have taken time to cry out to God in prayer. And they've looked all all sorts of different ways. Uh, it was something that Jesus did regularly. Uh, the Bible documents numerous times where Jesus uh, took the time to, to commune with God, to go off on his own. Uh, he made time to, to find a quiet place to, to take time and to spend time in prayer uh, with God. And in fact, there's one point in Scripture where it says that Jesus was in the midst of praying and one, and <coughs> excuse me, one of the disciples uh, saw, him, saw them, him praying and so they just flat out asked him, they said, Jesus, would you teach us to pray like that? Like, we see you doing this. We see you praying this way to the Father. Would you teach us how to pray like that? And it's something that, that they noticed he did on a regular basis, and so it was something that they wanted to learn from him. And that's really what our, um, our prayer for this series is. We want to be, at Daybreak, we want to be a group of people who, um, who want to follow Christ, who want to be his disciples, who want to pursue the same thing. We want to say to him, Jesus, would you teach us to pray? Would you teach us to pray the way that you did? And so over the next few weeks, uh, we're going to be taking a look at some, at some different prayers that Jesus prayed and seeing what we can learn from him. Uh, before we go on, I want to let you know, over on this wall, there is a, you, can, you may be able to see it, there's a, there's a big, I don't know, it's a poster board or some, something over there. What that is, is, is the idea of that is that at some point in the series, at any time during the series, uh, before or after the services, we want to take the opportunity to write down times, ways that God has answered prayers that we've prayed. And so we want all of us together, uh, if you'd like to do that, it could be something that happened uh, yesterday, it could be something that happened 10 years ago, but a, pray, a, a prayer that you prayed that God answered, uh, we're going to just r- write some of those down so that we can celebrate together, sort of as an act of worship to God for, for the way that he's answered our prayers, but it also is as an encouragement to one another, look at what God's doing in our lives. Look at what God has done uh, in, in our lives as a church family. So today we're going to take a look at a big prayer. We're going to be talking about a, a, a big prayer, one that expands our perspective and gives us the opportunity to catch a glimpse of God's bigger vision for what really matters. And this prayer is probably the most well-known in all of Scripture. Uh, even if today is the first day you've ever come to church, you've probably heard this prayer at some point somewhere in your life. It's an it's a extremely pro- popular prayer. It's often referred to the Lord's Prayer. Uh, Jesus says this uh, in Matthew chapter 6. He says, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So what, what can we learn from this? When we say, Jesus, teach us to pray, what is it that we can learn from this prayer, what's, what's often called the Lord's Prayer uh, today? If you haven't grabbed your outline yet, you can go ahead and, and do that. Uh, you, you got one of these as you came in. I think it'll, it'll help you follow along. Uh, you may uh, like to take a, a few notes of some things that maybe have challenged, that challenge you this morning. The first point, if you turn it to the inside there, the first point in your outline is this, is that big prayers, number one, come from pure motives. Big prayers come from pure motives. So before launching into this prayer itself, before launching right into it, Jesus actually sets it up. Uh, this, this whole uh, prayer took place uh, during what was called the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus was talking about a whole bunch of different things, and this topic of prayer, prayer came up. And so what he does is he starts off by contrasting uh, the way, for his disciples, the way he wants them to pray versus other w- ways that they would have seen people praying. So he wanted to contrast it with, look, I've known you've seen this thing or this thing, but I want to teach you something new. And so what he does before he even goes into the prayer uh, is he addresses the heart of the issue. He kind of gets a little bit behind the motive of why, it's, uh, why they would want uh, to pray. So he says this, and this is uh, from uh, the verses that precede the prayer. He says this, he says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. So the topic of prayer comes up, and Jesus says, he starts off by saying, when you pray, right? He doesn't say, if you pray. He doesn't say, were you to happen to at some point in life pray. He says, when you pray, which makes the assumption for his disciples that this is something that, that you're going to do. This is going to be something that's going to be a, a regular part of what you're, what you're doing. Just like it's been for me, it's going to be a regular thing for you as well. If you ever wonder uh, why you should pray, one of the biggest reasons that I feel like is because it's something that Jesus did all the time. As someone who's trying to follow Jesus, and if you're in that same boat, you're trying to follow him too, if you ever wonder, like, why should I even pray about that? One of the biggest reasons is because Jesus did it all the time. And he assumes, as we see here, that his disciples are going to do it too. And so he starts by saying, when you pray. And then he gives two examples of two different groups of people that he was saying, this isn't, exa- this isn't really what I have in mind. This, this type of thing isn't what I have in mind. The first group of people are who? I'm going to ask some questions. Try to... Hypocrites, thank you. Wow, nice, thank you. Uh, yeah, so the first group of people are the hypocrites. Okay, these are the religious people who like to act religious so that other people will think highly of them. Okay, so they, they, like, to, they like to say spiritual things. They, like to, 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 they know all the right kind of religious phrases to use, and they, they do so to, to get to, for, for the praise of people. So instead of pointing to people to God, which is what they're supposed to be doing, which is what, what they should be doing, they're actually just drawing attention and getting people uh, to look at themselves. They pretend to be doing it for God, but in reality they're doing it uh, to be seen by men. And so Jesus takes, takes a look at these people and he says, look, 
guys, I, I don't want you to be like this. I want you to be careful to avoid this. Don't pray to be seen by, uh, by and admired by other people. Instead, what I want you to do is he says, I want you to go find a place where nobody even knows that you're doing it. <laughs> go find a place where you're all alone, where it's just you and your father, and I want you to pray right there. So Jesus is saying, look, it's not even just important that you pray. It's not just important that you pray, but I actually care about the motives behind it. I don't want you to pray so that people will think you're spiritual. I want you to approach the Father, approach God with concern for only, only what he thinks. I want him to be your audience of one. Right? I, don't want you to, I don't want you to pray like the hypocrites do for this big audience so that people will think you're amazing. I want you to approach God as your audience of one. So that's the first people. Uh, group of people, the hypocrites. And the second group of people that he mentions are who? Pagans, yes. So in this context, uh, pagans represent a, a group of people who would have served, maybe had sort of like a polytheistic religion of some kind, or maybe not really re- much re- a religious affiliation at all. So they were a group of people uh, that served or, or tried to serve a bunch of gods or goddesses. Um, and they, what they would do is they would tend to use a lot of different words uh, because uh, they didn't necessarily know how to approach God. In, in that uh, culture at that time, it was very common to sort of have some different formulas that you might use to try to get God to do what you want. And so you might uh, pray really, really long prayers, or you might uh, 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 pray complicated prayers or really wordy prayers or prayers where you're repeating things over and over again. And really the hope was you kind of had this anxiety that maybe if I do this this certain way, maybe the gods will look on me with favor. And so it was like maybe I can appease them and, and sort of get them to give me what it is uh, that I want. And so they were prayers of really uncertainty of even who God is or who God was. It was kind of just like they were throwing darts in the air hoping that one of these things would land and and the the chips would sort of fall uh, in their favor. And so with this group of people, Jesus says to his disciples, he says, look, I don't want you to to be like the hypocrites, but I don't want you to be like this, this other group of people, the pagans either, because they make the mistake of thinking somehow that their words, that the, the order of them or the way that they say them or the exact ones that they choose, the formula that they use, that somehow that's what makes a difference, that somehow that's what really matters. Sort of just saying, they're saying like, hey, uh, you up there or, or you over there, if there's anything that you can do to help me, uh, how, how about if I say this, will that uh, help? Uh, will you be able to help me out? And Jesus says, look, I, I don't want you to do that. Instead, what I want you to do is I want you to, to look at God with more familiarity with, than that. I want you to, to look at God with more familiarity. He says, you don't need to use lots of words. You don't need to worry about formulas. God already kn- uh, knows what you need before you even ask him, right? It's not like when you uh, and when we come to God with a need, it's not like he's like, oh, I was wondering about that. Thank you for bringing that up, right? Like, it's not like God's sitting there with no idea of what it is that we need. Jesus says that God already knows your, your, your needs before you ask him. He already knows who you are. He already knows those things. So don't approach him as if he doesn't. So with this second group of people, the, the, the motive that Jesus is questioning is one where it's really manipulation. It's, it's, a, it's a manipulation is their motive. They would try to use these fancy words or whatever to try to get, the God, to get God or the gods to do whatever it is that they wanted, uh, they wanted to have done. So Jesus says, don't approach him if he doesn't already know your needs. He knows what it is that you need 
Don't say a bunch of words. Don't try to use a bunch of fancy phrases. So with the hypocrites, Jesus was questioning the, the motive of them, who they were trying to impress, right? So there was that group of people. And then the pagans, it was, he was, they were trying to manipulate and get God to do whatever it is that they wanted them to do. And so I think a good question to ask ourselves, I think both of those things, there's, there's two good questions to ask ourselves that you might want to put down on your outline there somewhere. Is one question you can ask yourself is, am I praying right now so that someone else will think more highly of me? Am I praying right now so that somebody else will think more highly of me? And I think this one is a, tempta- it's a huge temptation uh, for anybody who's been a follower of God, a follower of Christ for a long time, uh, especially pastors. I would say this is a huge temptation is to, to, to try to um, uh, pray to God in certain ways so that people will be impressed with you or to worship God with certain, in certain ways so that people will be impressed uh, with you. The other question you could ask is, uh, am I someone who's praying with certain words to try to manipulate God into doing what I want? Am I trying to use a formula to manipulate God into doing what I want? And that's probably more common for somebody who hasn't, maybe, maybe hasn't really been following Jesus for very long at all, or that's, that whole concept is a totally new one. And so when you're at the point where you're not really sure what to do, prayer can seem like something that it's better to just try to say a couple of magic things that maybe things will start to work out in, in our favor. But Jesus is saying there, uh, sitting there with his disciples, and he's saying, look, you've seen people pray this way <laughs> for the praise of men. You've seen people pray this way just hoping to manipulate God. But instead, I want to call you to something different. I want to invite you to something new. I want to teach you to pray in a different way. And that's when he goes in uh, to the Lord's Prayer. And so as we read this, what I want to do is I want to encourage you, as we look at this, not to, tr- not to make it into a formula. Okay? When we read the Lord's Prayer, uh, it's not really, Jesus wasn't really saying, when he's saying this is how you should pray, he's not saying, okay, here's a new formula for you to use. He's, what he really did here was he gave us a framework. Uh, or uh, I heard somebody describe it before. He created sort of, he gave us sort of the scaffolding for the prayer rather than the entire structure. All right? So what he does here is he gives us a good framework uh, for prayer. That's what he was doing uh, for his disciples. So let's take a look at the second point in your outline there is that big prayers, uh, number two, address the Father. They address the Father. In uh, verse 9, right there uh, in your outline, it, it says this, and this is how the, uh, it opens. It says, Jesus says, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So uh, in contrast to the hypocrites who pray for praise for men, in contrast to the pagans who just hope to manipulate God through their words, he says, what I want you to do is I want you to go off on your own and I want you to address uh, God as who? Who does he say? What words does he use? Father, right? Our Father. And Jesus often talked uh, to his Father and his disciples wanted to know how. And so what he does is he says, I want you to start off with by addressing him as father, as, uh, as daddy. And there's a couple of things that I love about this. One of them is that he doesn't, he doesn't beat around the bush at all, right? He doesn't tell us, uh, hey, you should pray to this other person who may be able to then catch the ear of God, right? He doesn't say that. Uh, he doesn't tell us to do a certain number of rituals. He doesn't tell us to face a certain direction. He doesn't tell us to pray at a certain time of day. He just simply invites his disciples. He says, look, what I want you to do is I want you to go straight to the source, <laughs> When you pray, I want you to go straight to the Father in prayer. 
It's also, I think, important to recognize that the word used there is our father, right? Our father. It's not my father. Right? He doesn't use the word my father, which he certainly could have done. When Jesus teaches his disciples to pray, he says he uses the word our, which forces us to recognize that it's not just about an individual relationship with God. Sometimes uh, when we talk about spiritual things or we talk about relationship with God, it's tempting for us to always just frame things as like, this is a between me and God thing. Uh, and, and, and there's certainly some truth to that, but it's easy to just focus and sort of uh, train ourselves to only think in that way. But here Jesus reminds us that it's about us. It's about all of us. It's, he, he's our Father. He's our God. We're all in this together. So everyone who's attending church somewhere this morning, everyone who's attending, attending church somewhere this morning, he's our Father. And all of those people who aren't in church today or who maybe don't yet have any desire to know him, he's their Father too. It's not just about me. It's about me. It's about you. It's about all of us. The other thing that I think is key here is that when we address God as our Father, we highlight the fact that there is an, there's, a, there's a close, intimate type of relationship that's taking place. There's this relational thing that happens when you use the word Father. It's a very special type of relationship that's taking place. The word uh, for Father here is actually the word Abba, which you may or may not be familiar with, which, which means something uh, similar to what we might uh, use when we say the word Daddy or when we say the word um, Papa. Or, or something like that. It's kind of got this, uh, this very strong relational, there's, there's a feeling, a bit of an affectionate type of feel to it as well. The truth is that God is not impersonal. God is personal. He's not a force. He has a name. He's not angry. He's loving. He's not far away. He's close. He's not negligent. He's involved in the life of his children. Um, I consider myself very fortunate to uh, have a good, uh, have kind of all, pretty much always had a good relationship with my dad. Uh, I still have a, a pretty strong, a, a pretty good relationship with my dad. I mean, we, you know, everybody goes through those seasons uh, where you have ups and downs and that kind of thing. But I've, I've been blessed, uh, really consider it a huge blessing to have had the relationship that I have with my dad. Uh, and one of the biggest uh, memories that I have with him is an opportunity that we had one time to go on a road trip together. Uh, we had a, the chance to go on a road trip. How many people, have, have anyone in here ever gone on a road trip with just them and dad? Okay, so there's a few of you. There was about probably four or five people in the first service as well. I would recommend it if you, if, if you ever get a chance to do that. Uh, if you are a dad or if, you, if you, uh, you have the opportunity to do that with your dad, uh, it's a really cool experience. Unless you know you'll kill each other, then you know, think of something else to do. Go for a picnic or I don't know, whatever. Um, but, but we um, had a great time. We had uh, just... So many laughs we had. Um, you know, he slept in the car through most of it, to be honest with you. But we, had a, we, had a, we saw a lot of cool new places. We went to a few national parks, those types of things. And one of the things that I realized is that that experience, ever since we had that experience together, it's really informed our relationship. It's one of those things that we both sort of have in common, that we look back on this journey that we went on together. And it's something that, that has, has uh, grown our relationship in ways that... Had we not had that time together, it probably would not have happened or we would not have noticed it. And so when I hear Jesus' invitation to address God as dad, when I hear him say that here, what, 
what I, part of what I hear is the invitation to recognize that there's relationship with God that happens over time. There's a there's relationship with God that happens over time and that whether I recognize it or not, whether I've ever even acknowledged that he's been there, he has always been there. That God has always been there as part of my journey in the midst of, of life's journey. And so addressing God as Father, part of that is recognizing that, that this relationship is something that has always been there uh, in one form uh, or another. Now, we've talked about this before uh, here at Daybreak, but for some of us, addressing God as Father can be a really difficult thing. Like the idea that that, that name or that, that concept can be a very difficult thing because of frustrations or because of disappointments that we have uh, over with our earthly fathers. And, and in fact, if you've never thought about it uh, before, you may want to think about uh, some of the feelings that you have about your own dad's shortcomings or your own dad's uh, fault uh, failures. A lot of times we tend to project those onto God and we tend to think about God the same way. And so, uh, for instance, if you feel like, uh, if you felt like your, your father is distant um, or doesn't really understand you, you may tend to view God in that same way. You may tend to view God as, as, as distant or he just doesn't get me. Um, if you feel like your dad abandoned you or if your dad was abusive, you may find that addressing God as father is an extra challenge for you. It, it makes it, it, makes it a, it's tough for you to do that because of that relationship. And I think when I, when I, when, as, I've, as I've learned that and um, as I've become a dad myself, I, one of the things I've noticed is there's a really good challenge there for dads. <laughs> there's a good challenge for those of us who are dads. Knowing that our children's view of God is affected by our relationship with us, I think it's a great challenge for us to say, hey, we're going to make a strong effort to be uh, to have the type of relationship with our children that God wants us to, ha- to have. On the other hand, I'm going to give my son everything I can as his father, but I'm going to come up short. I am, I am going to fall on my face. I am going to fail. I am going to struggle. No matter how hard I try, I am going to uh, uh, struggle and come up short as his father. And why is that? Because while like God the Father, I'm designed to have a close relationship to to my children, God brings something a little different to the table than I do, right? God brings something different to the table than we do. And that's where the next phrase of Jesus' prayer comes in. He says what? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. What what does hallowed mean? Anybody? Not hollow, right? Nobody wants to talk. Okay, I I won't make you force you. Um, Some of you are mumbling, and I'm sure it's correct. Uh, Holy, right? So hallowed means something along the lines of like holy or worthy of honor or worthy of respect or worthy of admiration or worthy of our worship or, or praise or worthy to be revered. And that's what God brings to the table that none of us dads and none of your dads ever will or ever could, right? We will, we will always fall short of that part of what it means to be a father. Every earthly father does. So when Jesus invites us to pray to our Father in heaven, uh, he invites us to pray to, to someone who is both intimately personal as well as perfectly holy and deserving of our respect. And it creates this tension that's so important for us to understand as we seek to get to know our Father in heaven. 
in the midst of calling God Daddy, we, we, we can't lose the fact that uh, he's also the all-powerful um, God who created the entire universe. So God is both intimately personal as well as infinitely powerful. He invites us to get to know him. He invites us to get to know him, but he also says, you know, you're just never going to fully know me. <laughs> you just can't fully grasp who I am. Uh, I invite you to get to know me. I want you to get to know me, but there will be a point where you just, you, you can't fully understand my ways or you can't fully grasp who I am. He's full of both truth as well as mystery. And we often see this when we worship together or when we sing, some, sing worship songs together to God. You'll notice that, a lot, that, that in worship songs, there's both of those sides of that same coin exist. There's this side where we sing about God as, as our friend or, or we sing about it in intimacy with him or relationship or a, a closeness, that kind of thing. But then we also sing about his awesomeness, his greatness, how great is our God, how incredible he is, those types of things. When we worship together, we worship the truth that, that God the Father, that our Father in heaven is both sides of that same coin. And so recognizing that he's both of those things, and Jesus says, our, I want you to pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, but I want you to approach him as you do that. I want you to approach him with confidence. One of my favorite verses in scripture uh, from Hebrews chapter 4, there in your outline, it says, uh, basically, it tells us that because of Jesus' sacrifice, that we are able to come to our Father with confidence. It says, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So approaching the throne of grace with confidence is something that Jesus invites us to do. And that's what he was inviting his disciples to do when he said, I want you to find some space, I want you to get alone with your Father, and I want you to pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. The third point there in your outline uh, is this, is that big prayers, number three, embrace the kingdom. Big prayers embrace the kingdom. And this is really where you, we get into the content of the prayer. And we're just going to scratch the surface of this this morning. Uh, we don't have time to go, to, to go too much into it. But if the pure motive side of things sort of talks about why, we pray, and if addressing the Father uh, talks about to whom it is that we are praying, then this part, embracing the kingdom, talks about the content or sort of the uh, what it is that we ought to pray. So Jesus continues and he says, this is part of that prayer, he says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. So there are some key things in this that I want to talk about uh, briefly with you uh, this morning. The first part of that prayer is this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And this piece of the prayer is a way of saying, you may want to write this down somewhere, it's basically a way of saying, God, I want what you want. I want what you want. It recognizes that God is the one that's in charge. Uh, when Scripture talks about the kingdom of heaven or when, when it talks about the kingdom of God, it's talking about the place where God's best always completely takes place. When we say that big prayers embrace the kingdom, we are saying that we want here and now, we want the here and now to look like it would if God's best was fully and completely taking place right here and now. That's what we pray when we, pray, when we talk about embracing the kingdom. The phrase, your will be done, this is a huge one, right? Your will be done. Most of us, if we're honest, and I 
totally do this. Most of us, when we pray, we spend most of the time uh, focusing on what we want, right? Like that's a big part of what it is that we pray. So uh, we might pray, God, I would really like it if you do this. Or God, uh, I could... Would you, would you give me this? Would you, would you provide me with this? Or, uh, God, I could really use help with this. Or, I would really appreciate it if you would fix this. And so most of our prayers tend to focus on our own wills or what it is that we want. And there's nothing wrong with that to a point. But prayer isn't really, the goal of prayer, which, which we, we learn here, isn't really to get God to do what it is that we want. Right? Like that's not really the goal. Prayer is about talking with our Father and actually learning to, uh, how, how to align our will with his will. It's about inviting him to change our perspective. And so when we pray, uh, your kingdom come, your will be done, when we pray that prayer, it's really a prayer saying, Father, I trust that you know what's best. Here are the things that I want, <laughs> there are the, and there are things that I want, uh, but I trust that you know best. I want to be healed. <laughs> Would you heal me from this thing? I, I want to find a job. Would you help me to find a job? I'd really like to meet a spouse, or I'd really like to, to be a better parent, or something, or whatever that thing is for you. There are things that we want that are, that are good things, and it's good to come before God with those things. But it's important that at the core of our prayer, our prayer is one of trust, where we're basically saying, God, I receive whatever it is that you will for my life. Um, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And what happens is, as we choose to trust God, uh, and for those of you, if you've ever prayed that God's will would be done, if that's ever been something that's kind of been a regular habit, you've, you've probably experienced this. As we choose to trust God and pray for his will, it stretches our faith, it stretches our trust in him, it challenges us, and in the end, what happens is we end up changed and transformed regardless of how he answered the prayer. When we pray for God's will to be done, we change because we end up desiring God's desires. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So let's really uh, quickly talk about the last couple of pieces of, of, the, of the prayer there. The, the next phrase is, give us today your da- our, our daily bread. And this is a prayer of pr- provision where we're saying, God, I ask you to provide what I need for today. And at first glance, it seems like a simple, a pretty simple, straightforward prayer uh, where it involves us depending on God for today. But for you and me, part of this prayer that, may need to focus, that we may need to focus on involves us to allow what God has already provided to be enough. Um, as, I've, as I've gotten older, and I'm definitely not as old as some of you, um, but as I've gotten older, you're awake, this is great. Um, as I've gotten older, uh, one of the things that I've noticed is that I get more and more anxious about the future. Anybody in this boat? Okay. Get more and more anxious about the future, right? And so I don't know if it's because I like to control everything. That could be part of it. I don't know if it has to do with ec- all economic things, like if that's where a lot of the stress can come from that. I don't know if it's just because I'm a really good worrier, like it's just a, like a, like a core strength of mine. Uh, but this prayer, give us today our daily bread, part of it is trusting God to to provide for us for today. And part of it is allowing myself to be satisfied with the fact that he has provided enough for today. <laughs> and it starts to trans- change the worry that I have about tomorrow and the next day and 10 years from now and 20 years from now. It starts to transform that. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. So forgive my shortcomings as I forgive the shortcomings of those around me. This is like a, God, would you, bring some, would you help bring relational health in my life? 
We're going to talk a lot about that next month in February. We're going to talk a lot about forgiveness. So we won't get into that uh, this morning. And then the last part of that prayer, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In that last part of that prayer, Jesus invites his disciples. He says, look, pray for protection, okay? I want you to pray for protection. Pray that as you follow God, that you would be protected because I know you're going to be tempted to get sidetracked. I know that there are going to be times where you're not going to want what God wants. <laughs> That's not going to be, you're going to get distracted or you're not going to desire his best for you. Uh, he knows that we're so often tempted to give in to less than his best or different than his best. So he invites his disciples to close the prayer uh, by asking God for guidance and protection. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And then in your, uh, it's not in your outline, but some of the manuscripts, uh, you may have heard, if you've ever recited the Lord's Prayer, you, you may know this part. Wrap up the prayer with the phrase, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Which is basically another form of worshiping uh, who God is. It's another, it, it's another way to celebrate who our Father is. Now, as, as um, all of us walk into the room today, I guarantee that every single one of us has different experiences with prayer. Um, everybody who came in today has a different, has, comes in with different opinions or thoughts or, or familiarity with prayer. And one of the things that we, we really want to do at daybreak is our heart is to, is to help each other uh, take new steps or take a next step of growth uh, to become more of who it is that, that, that uh, Jesus has called us to be. And so I recognize that, that maybe you're here today and just the idea of prayer is something that you've never even really wanted to do. It's not even something that, that, that's, that, that, if you were honest, is that something that you're that interested in? I would challenge you, maybe this week, just this week, maybe your prayer is, God, would you give me the desire to pray? Would you, would you help me to want that to be part of my life? Or maybe you're here, and as you look at this, uh, the Lord's Prayer, it's something that you say, you know, a good step for me is this week, I'm going to pray this prayer each morning when I wake up. I'm going to pray this prayer uh, each morning, not as a formula, right? Just as, as, a, as, a, as a, a framework for what it is that I'm asking of God, of, of what, how it is that I'm talking to my Father. Uh, maybe you want to pray it in your own words. Maybe that's a good step for you. Or maybe a good step for you is each day to focus on one of the phrases in that and, and to, to begin to ask God to teach, to teach you or to, to transform you things about daily bread or, the, or forgiveness or to what it means to have God be our Father. I honestly believe that if Jesus were sitting here with us today, if he were sitting right, right in here uh, with us today, and, and you and I were to see him praying, if we, were, if we were to see him praying to our Father, that we would, be, we, we would feel like, oh, I want that. I want what it is that he has. I want that type of relationship with my Father God. And I believe that if we came up to him and we said, Jesus, just like his disciple, disciples did, no matter, no matter who we are, if we came up to him and said, Jesus, would you teach me how to pray like that? I think he would smile back at us and he would say, you, you bet I will. You, you bet I will because I long for you to get to know our Father. I long for you to get to know him. That's what he... he he was, I'm sure he was excited when the disciples asked him to teach them how to pray. And he, lo- and he, and he would love it if you and I uh, did the very same thing. Uh, you have uh, in your possession, you have uh, a response card. If you've been here before, you're very familiar with these. If not, uh, it's this little card. And on the back of the card, there's some blank lines. 
And what I want to encourage you to do is, in a minute, the worship team is going to lead us, and we, we do this just about every week here at Daybreak, but just take an opportunity to respond. And maybe today what you want to do is, on those blank lines, you just want to record what your next step is. Whatever you feel like that next step is for you with regards to prayer, uh, why don't you go ahead and write that on your card this morning. Uh, would you bow your heads? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.
draws near and my time has come still my soul will sing your praise unending ten thousand years and 